0: With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing students in Athens TV into virtual learning, we tried to figure out how can we make this class experience better when you can't be doing video production on a daily basis. And the solution we came up with was guest speakers. Today we talk with Jordan Pomaville, a writer, a Michigan grad, most recently worked on Suits and also has worked on Ugly Americans and shared a lot of thoughts with us on what it's like in the writer's room. You're in the writing world, which is really good because we are kind of at that phase, and I'm gonna say that phase is not gonna come anywhere near the level to what you are going to be doing, but we started in September just trying to come up with an idea and trying to eventually turn that into a video or a film. So I guess in spirit, we're doing the same thing, but not quite to the level. So I'm excited to hear from you and just your insight on the creative process.
1: Oh, sure. Great. Well, thank you for having me. It's a uh, great to join
0: Athens TV. Yes, we we're, we get a little, our name gets out there a little bit. We try, but, um, yeah, so I guess, take us, take us back to Michigan and what were you involved in that kind of led you to a career in writing? Cause writing, I majored in English, but and oh, writing, cool. I, I guess I would have considered, but maybe wasn't willing to go through the steps and then, you know, pushing for it, fighting for it. And I feel like that's kind of what you got to do with writing. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to be a a Hollywood screenwriter?
1: Uh, Well, I went to Michigan and at Michigan, I majored in film and, uh, Michigan, uh, doesn't, unfortunately, doesn't uh, do enough, uh, focus on production. Um, however, they have invested because it's less expensive, more resources into a screenwriting programs. So uh, my concentration within the major of film was screenwriting, writing for the screen. And so I knew I wanted to major in film. I knew I wanted to uh, write. Um, and so I started taking uh, film classes and then I got into like a screenwriting class. And um, there was also a couple of writing for television classes. Um, I would say that's when I, you know, it. I knew I always wanted to be a, a writer, a screenwriter, but that's, I guess, that solidified it, uh, being in those classes um, and uh, kind of learning that all writing is rewriting um, as well as uh, some uh, uh, creative writing classes in English as well. Um, but I guess it wasn't until I, I interned out here uh, between my junior and uh, senior years. And uh, I had, I, I, uh, on my last day, one of the uh, executives at the production company where I was interning uh, finally gave me the time of day and said, hey, you can come in and, you know, ask me questions if, if you want, if this is your last day. And I'm like, oh, I'd <laughs> love to. Uh, but I remember asking her, like, what advice would you give a, a young and upcoming writer? And she said, she said, do television because it's a young man's game. Um, so that's honestly around then was the first time that I started to kind of consider television instead of uh, movies. Um, but yeah, that uh, I graduated Oh seven That that uh the internships were uh invaluable. Uh I interned for uh, Billy Crystal's production company. Um I don't know if anyone here is too too young to know who <laughs> Billy Crystal is. Uh but uh I interned for his production company uh 3 days a week and 2 days a week I interned as a writers assistant on a uh short-lived CBS acclamation show. Oh, okay. Uh, i the same studio, the same people who do Wallace and Grom. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was so valuable to get, to, like I learned more honestly about the industry in those three months than I did in four years of film school, which is not the fault of film school. It's just one of those things you really have to, uh, as my wife would say, learn by doing.
0: Right. <laughs> yep. And that's so true. Uh, like one of the, one of the questions I guess we're trying to answer in all of these meetings is maybe a more specific one, but it's like, is film school worth it. And I think it's what you said there. It's, you got to learn by doing, you need the experience. And that probably helped you when you graduated with a degree. Cause if you graduated in the stadium, like I did, no one was waiting outside of the stadium <laughs> to hand me a, a brand new job, right? You, no, you had not, to not dig to in
1: liberal arts majors. No. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened?
0: So how'd you, how'd you, what was your first big break then in terms of getting, Maybe, maybe we weren't even getting paid, but what was the break that, that opened the doors for you after graduation?
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, well, I would say it's a, a series of breaks because it, it's always a hustle and, it, you know, it never feels like I, you know, still don't feel like I've made it, even though in some aspects I have achieved certain goals that I wanted to hit. Um, the first break, honestly, was the internships because that was huge. And fortunately, uh, there were some lawsuits a few years ago and they have to pay you now. So I was incredibly fortunate that I'd actually won a scholarship and had supportive parents. So I was able to go out. I I knew friends who graduated a couple years earlier, so I like crashed on their couch all summer. But that was the first big break because then I at least had something on my resume when I did graduate to say, hey, I have worked, you know, as a writer assistant on a TV show. I was just an intern. I have worked as a receptionist in a production company. Um... I was very fortunate i after i graduated i stayed at home for a while worked, saved up some money i drove out uh in february of 2008 and i arrived the day the writer's strike had ended uh-huh uh, so in 2008 uh, i don't know if people remember there was a, a writer's strike that lasted uh, a few months um but i arrived the day when it ended so all of these uh places that had laid off assistance were suddenly looking for assistance again um So I was very fortunate, Uh, so I started applying for jobs. And the first break was honestly getting a job at a literary agency. Um, And literary uh, is not necessarily novel writers, but in this case, reps television and film writers. Um, It's kind of a specific thing. It's not as big as some of the larger agencies that rep actors and directors and writers, but just focuses on writers. So I was an assistant to two agents there. So that was my first break. And I got that that interview because I went to Michigan, because one of my first bosses went to Michigan. Mm Um, and, uh, you know, I guess I showed enough gumption in the interview that they hired me. So that was huge. Cause I knew I wanted to work at an agency to start because it's the nexus of the business and the creative. Um, and also in a town that's a lot about who, you know, and personal relationships, just as much as talent and hard work, it's a great way to meet people. Um, so, I mean, I would recommend anyone coming out of film school, your first job in Los Angeles, if you can get in at an agency, like it is really tough work. Um, I was fortunate to be at a midsize agency, so it wasn't like the, the stuff you'd see on entourage where people were throwing stuff. Um, but that, that does happen at some of the bigger, bigger ones, maybe less now. Um, but uh, so that was honestly the first break because then it's like I was talking to writers on the phone every day. You know I was learning about how contracts were structured, which is kind of boring, but learning how the studios pay the writers and how the creative process work. Um, I was there for about two years um, and I got a job. Because this this was kind of all part of my plan. I wanted to work there to meet writers to get a job on a show. And so after two years, I got a job as a showrunner's assistant um, on an animated show on Comedy Central that lasted like three years called Ugly Americans. Mm -hmm. And a showrunner's assistant is, uh, the showrunner is not an official uh, title, but it's generally an executive producer. And it's often the head writer, not always, but often a head writer, the person not always, but often runs the writer's room. And uh, so I was his assistant. And then from there, I became writer's assistant, which means I'm actually in the room. I'm taking notes. You know, somebody helping to put out scripts, proofing things. Um, And that was like, honestly, like the the Literary Agency and that show were my first big breaks because that was like, okay, I got my first job. That's great. Meeting a bunch of people. And secondly, like once I got that job, all I wanted was a job in a TV show. That's all I wanted. And then I got that. I was like, oh, man. So I would say those were the first uh, two breaks. I guess Is that yeah, I, I that, forgot. I rambled. I'm sorry. Was that? That's okay. No,
0: those, we actually had uh, well, our first week doing this. One of my former students, she went to U of M. Uh, she graduated in 2019 and went out to work for United Talent. And she said the exact same thing that you did. It's the best place to to get a start. Um, we got a question here. Uh, so you're if you, I don't think you're rambling, but if it did, it led to something good. Go ahead, Laura. You can uh, unmute and ask. Uh, your question
1: so I was wondering like how many years it took to build up to that level uh to the level of getting just getting a becoming an assistant on a show mm-hmm. uh actually only a couple that's I was actually pretty fortunate I was out here for like I got the job as soon as I got out here which was very fortunate um and I was out there for about two years and then I got hired as an assistant on a show um but then it became you know then you achieve that and you're like okay well now I want to be a writer so that, that, and that took a lot longer. That took several more years. Um, fortunately on that show, um, I had uh, some good bosses and toward the end of the show, I was given an episode. So I got to write an episode. And that was my first uh, television credit, which was really cool. Um, so yeah, that, that whole thing was probably like four years out here. I got my first episode, which was, that was really cool. But unfortunately the, uh, My original boss, the original person, the original showrunner was a, you know, a little unstable of a guy (laughs) and he got fired toward the end of the show. And so then, despite loving the rest of my coworkers and having a show that we thought was good, they were they canceled us, you know. So I got my first episode. and I'm like, oh, this is great. And they told me, you know, hey, if we come back for another season, we're going to staff you, which is the slang for making you a full writer, a staff writer. It's the lowest level writer. Um, And uh, so I was like, oh, man, and then, nope, we're canceled. Um, And that's when uh, hiatus becomes unemployment. Um, And so that's why I would say the other piece of advice I would give, and I know it might sound uh, cynical, but save your money. If you come (laughs) out here and try to be a writer, save your money, keep your overhead low, because there's going to be bumps in the road and there's going to be unemployment that it's it's not even your fault. You know, it's not my fault my boss was crazy you know, or that Comedy Central wanted to move in an entirely Mm -hmm. new direction. Um, So yeah, that would, I would say, took uh, two years to get on a show, which is pretty quick. Some people, though, uh, they'll get their first job if they know someone, they'll get their first job out of college on a show. You know, some people, it takes them several years working at an agency or then a production company to get the job in the show, because like so many jobs in the real world and not just the uh, film and television industry, you know, (laughs) they want you to have experience, but it's impossible to get experience without the job, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's the tough thing is everyone, a lot of the jobs that are coveted uh, for working in television are writer's assistant jobs or uh, showrunner's assistant jobs or script coordinator is the other uh, position on a lot of television shows that's an assistant level position. Um,
0: So you mentioned uh, your first credit. What what does getting a credit mean beyond we get to see your name really quick at the end of the episode when everyone else's name plays. Well, honestly, not
1: a whole lot. Um, it's it's um, it's kind of funny that way. Like it's it's great. It's a lot of self satisfaction. You you get paid, which is nice. And if, when you're an assistant, making assistant money to uh, get that first television episode paycheck. Aces. Um, but uh, in terms of like, it. I'll be honest. It did not really help my career that much. Like, what would have helped my career if the show would have come back. Mm-hmm and I would have got promoted. Now, that's not to say that some people uh, may get an episode on a show and then all of a sudden that writer recommends them to an agent in representation. And that's something that like, I'm actually currently unrepresented. I would like a manager. I've had a manager in the past when I was briefly with a writing partner for a few years. Um, But sometimes that first credit can lead to representation. Sometimes it can lead to you impressing the show that you're writing on enough for them to hire you. Or sometimes, it can just lead to some money to live off of when the show ends.
0: Yeah, well, good options, all of them, yeah. depending yeah. on what you need, I guess. Um, so you you do Ugly Americans, and then it looked like you spend most of your time on a show called Suits, which yes. I guess most people might be familiar with these days because of a royal wedding, which I'm sure you got to attend, and it was great. <laughs> but um, you know, it you had a pretty long run there. So how did you find yourself? Um, on such a can, really, really a quality program that's year after year, you could kind of rely on?
1: Well, first of all, I just want to say that I think it's hilarious that British historians going forward are going to have to talk about suits. Right.
0: It? <laughs> that,
1: that kills me. Um, but honestly, it goes back to that first break that I was talking about the agency, because I was unemployed um, after ugly Americans and, you know, the unemployment runs out and, uh, the whole time you're following the news, you're reading the trades, which is now deadline Deadline deadline.com is the one I'd recommend if anyone wants to follow the the business. Um, it's probably the best one, um, to like keep abreast of like what, what shows are getting picked up, what writers are getting overall deals. Um, but so I, you know, you email people, you do what you can, when you're out of work, you let everyone know that you're looking for work. And it was funny because uh, I was at uh, my then girlfriend's place, and we were flipping the TVs, and we saw the pilot on USA. And I immediately remembered it because the pilot for Suits was sold in March of 2008, just after I started at the agency. It was one of my boss's clients. And so I immediately thought, oh, I got an email to write. And so I emailed Aaron Korsh, the creator of Suits. And at the time, when it when it was sold, it was a Wall Street uh, pilot. Mm. Um, uh, it became lawyers because this was 2008, and the network exec said, we love the characters. Here's what America doesn't want right now, Wall Street. Yeah. So how about you make them lawyers? Um, uh, but yeah, so I emailed him and was just like, hey, I uh, saw that. Hope everything's great uh, You know, on your first season. That's awesome. And uh, you know, I'm looking for work. So if anything's ever open, let me know. And luckily enough, he was actually getting ready to fire his current writer's assistant and promote his showrunner's assistant to writer's assistant. So there was an opening for showrunner's assistant. So that's how I got in there. And so it was that contact, I had a really good relationship with him back at the um, uh, lit agency that I worked at. He was one of my boss's best clients. Um, It was a project that was in development for the whole two years I was there. So it didn't even like, it used to be if you sold the show to basic cable, it would definitely uh, see the light of day on television. They might just develop the heck out of it, but it would get on. So anyway. That's that relationship was there as how I got on there. And then, and then honestly, it's just luck that you get on a show that's that yeah. long running.
0: Well, um, can you take us inside the in the inside the writer's room? You know, what's it like to work in there? I think it's one of the coolest parts of the production. It's got to be fun to be in that creative atmosphere. And it's something I try to recreate here, but can be a little bit of a challenge, especially now where we're in the writer's breakout rooms when we are going to be oh, yeah. uh, doing our ideas. But what, what's it like to work in there and just talk us through it? It's
1: awesome. If, if you like to write, and especially if you like to write uh, comedy, I think comedy rooms are always going to be the most fun. if That's what you're into because it's, you know it's it's all brainstorming it's all day you know it's it's one of those things like one of the reasons why it's tough to get these jobs uh specifically on comedies is because people want to work with people that they already know and that's because you might spend eight hours 12 hours 16 hours a day with these people in a small room uh i would say at suits i was at suits for about two years before i got promoted to writer's assistant which i'd also done on ugly americans but it is it is great to be in the room now it's it's tough work when you're a writer's assistant because you're basically taking the minutes and then when you realize it's not just taking the minutes, because you have to be reading the facial expressions of the person running the room, whether to know what some other writer said should be put in the notes. You know, you have to, re- you kind of have to have to have a little bit learn and feel for what's got to go in there, but being in the room um, it's so much fun. It's, you know, obviously it's tough work, but it's the ultimate collaborative environment. Um, I can say having now done it as a writer, it's much more fun when you're not taking notes and you can k- kick back and lean back in your chair and, you know, pitch ideas and then you're pitching dialogue and you're crafting scenes. And um, I would always say, I I have the most fun when it was like on suits was not a super serious drama. We had some light stuff, but it wasn't a comedy, but I would have the most fun when we would be coming up with kind of comedic storylines. And that's when I would try to, you know, when you're a writer's assistant, some shows don't want you to pitch. They want you just to take the notes. A lot of shows though, a lot of showrunners or people that run the room will once you've proved your mettle and once they've shown you've shown that you can do a good job, don't mind if you speak up with a pitch, be it, you know, a story idea, character idea or dialogue. And because my focus was always comedy, I would just always pitch jokes, which sometimes weren't even serious pitches, but it was just to show like, Hey guys, I'm funny. Huh? Huh? <laughs> so.
0: And what's it like when no one thinks you are funny in that moment then?
1: Oh man. Canyons of silence. <laughs> Oh, man, when you have to explain a joke, or people don't get a reference. And that's, that's one thing where uh, I would always notice I had a couple coworkers, So I was at Suits. I'll just briefly I was at Suits a while, then I left to go on a show called Still the King, which was a comedy it was very short lived. It starred, uh, uh, for the purposes of this interview, Miley Cyrus's dad, <laughs> uh, as an aging country music star, he was playing way against type. Um, but that was a comedy again. So I loved being in a comedy again. And then that show got canceled. Again, I got like an outline there. Um, I got to live in Nashville for a couple months because we moved the writer's room there for filming season two. That show gets canceled. I go back to Suits because I need a job. But when I got back to Suits and I was again in the writer's room, I had a couple co coworkers that also worked on comedies. And we would kind of talk about how some of the drama or one hour writers, as they're more often called one hour and a half hour, uh, didn't know how to riff. They didn't know how room bits work. Like, it was like, oh, are we, are we doing a bit now? And uh, <laughs> so sometimes I felt like it wasn't my fault. It was that they don't get it. But no, sometimes, yeah. When you, when you, when you fail in a writer's room, it, it can suck. But also, if you're in a collaborative room, hopefully someone will speak up right afterwards so everyone just forgets what you said. Yeah. Or just, and, and some writers also, like, there's all sorts of different uh, uh, personalities in the room. There's the guy who's throwing everything against the wall. He pitches every couple minutes, and he has a very, very poor batting average, but he's throwing out ideas left and right all the time, and there's that guy, and then there's the person who's more quiet, you know, who's going to come in once in a while and say, thinking about this, and it nails it every time, you know, and you're like, wow. And so there's, there's a lot of different ways you can succeed in a writer's room, and some people, honestly, aren't that good in a writer's room, and they succeed more on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just an okay collaborator in the writers' room, but they make themselves pop on on the page.
0: So when you get the the get the directive that you need to write this episode, what what are you working through then? Are you just locking yourself in a room on your own, or are you just constantly collaborating with others? And whoever is the head writer, what what kind of role do they take on once the script needs to be, I guess, turned into a script?
1: Right. Well, a lot of times scripts aren't necessarily assigned until they're ready to go to pages. So until you're ready to write the dialogue, a lot of scripts are not always, but a lot of like stories are broken, as we say, in the room. So you break a story in the room. We, we figure out every scene, basically, of the story. Some shows uh, blend them then, like if you have an A story, a B story, a C story, you often broken separate and then blended or meshed. A lot of terminology, different uses, a lot of weird writer's room slang. Mm-hmm. Um, that I might slip into. But basically, after you've broken the story, you then often pitch it to the showrunner. So, you know, the the person running the room is not always the showrunner. But you've broken the story on Suits, and now we're going to pitch it to the showrunner, and they might give it to you to pitch. And so now I'm pitching uh, the story, the story beats, and if it's a comedic story, I might try to act it out a little, and I'm trying to do the voices of the characters and that sort of thing. And then the showrunner weighs in and changes what he wants to change in terms of the beats, you know, the scenes that we have created. And then if he changes a lot and he hated it, well, we're going to have to re-break this story. And that's a bummer because now it's six o'clock on a Friday. So we're going to be here for a few hours, but if he likes it, then it's great. Now it's time for it to be assigned. And so if they assign it to you, then yeah, then it's time to, then the collaborative process is kind of takes takes a break and you go and lock yourself in a room. Uh, A lot of showrunners are cool that, um, You usually have a few days to write a script and sometimes if you have a long commute or you're a low level writer, so they don't need you for other things, they'll let you stay home and write, which is nice. That's Mm fun. Um, You can kind of write on your own time. And so at that point, it's not collaborative. Then you write your draft and you might give it to an upper level writer um, who might give you notes and you might get another pass before you give it to the showrunner. Or sometimes you might write it and it goes straight to the showrunner and that's where it then becomes collaborative again because he's going to rewrite you. Um, And our showrunner rewrote in a kind of different way, where he would go through, make the changes he wanted to make in a conceptual way, but then he would have the writers meet with him in the rewrite room, which was just his office. So it would be you, you, the showrunner, and maybe one other upper level writer, say like the number two on the show, working together in his office, rewriting it together. So then it becomes collaborative again. And at that point, because, you know, most of the time you're going to be a lower level writer and he's the showrunner, he might not be asking for a lot of your input. So I try to be very judicious in my pitches where I basically just try to go with a piece of dialogue if I knew, oh, he's going to love this and go with that.
0: What kind of timeline is this all happening in on? Like how fast do you guys write an episode?
1: Like from, from conception to final draft? Sure. No, Because, yeah, I would say, I don't know, call it four, call it four to six weeks, okay. I guess. And that can that, that know, can
0: that, vary depending on the show and it, all that.
1: Yeah, I had a show where we've done it like in, you know, two weeks where it's like we break the story in a week. The writer, you know, against WGA rules, writes it over the weekend because we're on a very shortened calendar because it's a basic cable show mm-hmm. for a cheap network like CMT. Just saying. And uh <laughs> You know, and then we rewrite it the next week and uh, everyone goes home and, and they say, okay, come up with some joke pitches to, you know, to make this better. And then we meet and everyone pitches their jokes and then, okay, final draft, you know, two weeks. Yeah. So that can, you can do it really quick. You can do it really long. Yeah, it can vary.
0: Um, so when you're writing on a show like that, it sounds like the character is kind of what drives it. Like that's what you have to have the biggest understanding of. Or, you know, how did, I always wondered how, how do you keep the sequence? How do you make it continue to feel like it's the same show if you have different people watching it or if it's not necessarily going in like a chronological order of episodes? Um, like if it's more like uh, like a Breaking Bad, you know, and this season is going to go from the end, beginning to end, here are the things that are going to happen, kind of break down the entire season. Have you written for a show like that or do you, is it more like each episode is kind of a standalone on this just what what do you have to this is where your skill as a writer comes out what do you have to write for
1: um yeah so i've written for both suits was uh pretty serialized uh, most of the seasons i was there in terms of having an overarching storyline at least the first 10 episodes suits was an older um cable model in that usa used to do a front 10 and a back six so we'd have a 16 episode order so we'd often have a serialized storyline over the front 10 that'd be very heavy on plot. And then the back six would be more character-driven, more like love stories and that sort of thing. Um, I have written for the episo- episodic and serialized or the two general terms, episodic, every episode its own thing. That was Ugly Americans. It was a comedy. There was no real overarching thing, except maybe a little bit of will they, won't they with two characters as a lot of sitcoms have. Um, so that's just, you know, every week, you're just trying to tell the funniest story. You wanna tell stories that are true to the characters and that people will enjoy and that are funny that puts your characters in funny, weird situations where they have to make choices. And uh, for a serialized show, it's a lot of the same, except you have this overarching storyline that you're serving. And often that's set up at the beginning of a season by the showrunner or or head writer, where they might say, okay, here are some tent poles. We know we we want, uh, I'm gonna use some Suits examples. So uh, on Suits, uh, one of the main characters, Mike, was not really a lawyer right? he was a he was, And some people knew it. So they were hiding Mike's secret. So he'd be like, I know at this point, I want Lewis, this character, to find out Mike's secret. And at this point, we wanted to affect the firm because the firm is coming under attack by another firm who's raiding it for partners or that sort of thing. So he would set up tent poles and he knew where we wanted to get. And that might change in the course of the, the season. Or he might say like, in this episode, I want these two characters to go head to head. But then really never tell us what that, what that means, what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, what does head-to-head look like? What are, they, are they taking opposite sides in a lawsuit? Are they fighting about something at, at work, procedural? Um, so in terms of, yeah, so uh, episodic, every episode its own thing. You got to tell a story, right? It's the, it's the procedural thing of like dead body in the cold open. You know, we, we find the suspect who seems like the suspect, not really it. We find the real suspect, we put him away episodic, right? Or, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta pay the rent. How are we gonna pay the rent? We somehow lose money paying the rent, but then we save the day in a, in a sitcom. Serialized, you're doing that, but also you have to have these other things to hit. And so, it's also when you're breaking, I'm rambling but again, but when you're breaking the episodic stories, the stories that are all contained, sometimes you find something that would go really well with the overarching.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, ah, so this could be the reason that he gets in a fight with Lewis that leads Lewis to discover his secret. Oh, and so that's great, but then you gotta make sure the boss likes that. Right. Um, but yeah, did that, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't place
0: <laughs> that serialized term. That's the exact one I was looking for. And it's it's interesting to hear the the differences, but those tent poles, you hear a lot of yeah. people talk about that, but it's so important. Um, another thing that we're, we're really looking at is networking and Laura just had a question about that. So if you wanna go ahead uh, again, Laura um so I was wondering like were most of your connections formed during your time at the agency and university or like were they previously known beforehand
1: um yeah my my I mean I had some connections at school because I mean and when I say connections just people who you know classes a couple years below me a couple years after me right um but then I would say a lot of them were at the agency um but some of them you know are a little superficial and if you don't um you know, uh, nurture those relationships, they die. You know, if you don't keep in touch with people, you know, you don't, you know, you, those aren't relationships that you keep. Ultimately, the, the most beneficial relationships I've had is, you know, from working with people. So it's, you know, not the, not the clients at the agency, but like my bosses at the agency and my fellow assistants at the agency, like they worked with me, they know me, they like me, they know I'm a hard worker, you know, and hopefully, a good piece of advice I got once was, and it's very tough, but you want to try to work from people who will reward uh, and appreciate your hard work and loyalty. And you can't always know that in the interview. And sometimes they lie and say they will and then they don't. Um, but that's if you, can fi- if you can work for people that even if they're difficult to work for, if ultimately they'll go to bat for you when you need someone, that is so huge. Um, and so at this point, most of my you know good connections come from people that i worked with at the agency from the people i worked with on suits from the people i worked with on ugly americans or the people i worked with on still the king so at this point it's mostly people that i've i've worked with um you know those are the people that you know you were in the foxhole with as it were like you were in a when you're in a writer's room from 9 a.m to 6 a.m the next day there are some pretty serious bonds that forge Um, and so those and that's So right now, those are the people I would say, like, if I needed a recommendation, like my boss on suits, Aaron Korsh, who did in fact attend the
0: Royal Wedding, um, not me, but um, (laughs) he couldn't have just brought you along as his plus one or something, just so you you got to be there.
1: (laughs) I think so. And and the worst part about it is he got like, not the worst part, but like, it's like, you know, that joke about how like, you know, celebrities are celebrities, so they're very wealthy, but yet they get everything for free. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's what he felt like he, like he got on the airplane and they just asked, "Why are you know?" They, I don't know if his wife told the flight attendant, "Oh, we're going to the royal wedding." But immediately, uh, British Airways just gives him a bottle of champagne, like, "Here you go," because <laughs> you're going to the royal wedding. Um, but no, he'd be a guy that I know, and he has like written excellent letters of recommendation for me if I'm like trying to get on another show. Um, so yeah, the best connections I think are the people that you work with. But first, start out with you know the people you know in college. You know, those are the first connections, and then. You know, you meet more people. And then, like I said, the people you don't work with, I feel like are the ones that you need to nourish more. If it's just someone that you're talking to on the phone every day, mm-hmm. you know, another assistant at another agency or an assistant at a production company, like that's the person who you want to do drinks with. And, you know, if they're cool and you you get along, that's the person who you want to email. And, you know, I try to, you know, I'm a sports fan. So I try to, you know, know if other people are sports fans, like, oh, they went to Kansas. Kansas just uh had a big win in basketball I'm gonna send them an email and so that's what I do because you know I like sports but like whatever it is you know if you know they like certain shows or certain movies like any reason or excuse to email or uh get in touch with the more superficial contacts the better because then you nurture those relationships otherwise a lot of them are yeah forged by working with them in the day-to-day
0: all right yeah that's 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 good advice. I love hearing people talk about the different ways that they've networked here because no one is the same. And, but the common thread is just kind of do a good job and be nice to people. And if you can hit those things, it doesn't matter what career you're going into, you're going to be in good shape. I'm, I'm imagining you making this drive out to California, like post college graduation, you know, full, full of energy, ready to go into the writing world. And if, if you have any ideas of your own on the way there or do you have like a library built up of script ideas or even scripts or for a series, just as a writer, do you come up with your own content in your downtime that you hope might turn into something one day? Or do you just kind of go get matched up with the agency, work on particular shows? Do you have a library of scripts we can't wait to see on Netflix one day?
1: <laughs> I mean, I hope. I mean, and so the, the, the tricky thing is, and this is sometimes a do as I say, not as I do, but writers write, okay? And so you, you, have, you have to be writing. And it's really difficult when you're an assistant because you're working 12, 14-hour days, you know? So it's really, and it's really tough because you're so focused on doing a good job at your job and moving up, right? I'm putting in these long hours at the agency just so I can get on a show. And once I get on a show, things will be better. Oh, I'm putting in these long hours on a show, and once I get a script, things will be better. And so that's one way to do it. And if you do it that way and you're not writing that much, maybe you get an episode and then you get staffed and then you're on, you know, a show that lasts, you know, then you're on the Simpsons and the Simpsons is still going. Um, But you need to create on your downtime. And that's the toughest thing to do because after, what do you want to do after a long day of taking notes is not necessarily open your computer when you get home and write. Um, So I would try to do it in the morning because I'm a morning person. Some people are night people. But yeah, you you got to be creating um, because ultimately what gets you representation often is a sample. So you need you need a sample and that you need something that's going to be your calling card. Um, so I, I do I do have stuff that I'm working Like right now, I'm unemployed. It's, uh, my last job was I was a writer on Suits. That wrapped uh, like fall of 2019. And then I was getting ready for staffing season, which kind of occurs every year, March to June. The comedy's a little later than the dramas, but that's when they're staffing the new shows, generally speaking. Now, there's year-round development now with cable, but the broadcast networks still represent the bulk of shows on television, and that's when their calendar is. So that didn't happen this year because of COVID. (laughs) Um, So that kind of threw everything into a tizzy. And also there was a whole thing where the WGA had uh, writers fire their agents, which is a whole other thing. didn't affect me as much because I didn't have an agent at the time, but it made it so... Lower level, it made it more, even more difficult for lower level writers, because if you don't have an agent advocating for you, then the only way you're going to get a job is if you know a writer who's ready to hire you. Um, so making your, all to get to is writing is very important. So yeah, you should always be as much as you can writing. I mean, and some people will come out here, and they don't even work the industry jobs. And they'll say, get a job at Starbucks or whatever, because at least I know this is going to be 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I can make often better money doing any other job than working in the entertainment industry and have more free time to write. I never wanted to do that because I always felt like then the networking would be harder mm-hmm. because even if you have a great script, you need someone to read it. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you and you want friends maybe to read it early. who will give you notes and honest feedback so you can make it better to send it to the maybe more important people. You don't want to bother with something that's not ready yet. But no, you, you got to always be writing like so. Like right now I'm working on, you know, I'm working on a one hour because uh, I I write in half hours. And also I only have one half hour sample because before I got staffed on suits, I broke up with my writing partner. And so before that, all of our samples were co-writes. They were combined. But people don't want to read a sample from a writing team if, if they just are going to staff you because they don't know who's coming up with the jokes. In my case, it was me. But but not everyone that's the case. So so right now I have a half hour sample uh, that, that I really like that is kind of like my, my sample that I'm sending out to people now. And I'm working on a one hour and I'm hoping to have that one hour and another half hour sample for next staffing season.
0: All right, well, best of luck. I hope, hope the production kicks back up. I know that's been rough on everyone. And I think I yeah. read that they were, did they just agree on the terms to get back to production or something? Um, yeah, it's,
1: it's been slow going, but things are starting up first, like in like Vancouver and, uh, Atlanta started first. I know New York, I believe settled on some stuff, LA starting slowly, but yeah, it's starting back up. And a lot of the writer's rooms are zoom rooms, um, which to a man, everyone I've talked to who's in one hates Yep, (laughs) uh, because you know, it's not, it's not as fun. It's not the same thing, except I had one friend who really dislikes his coworkers. So he loves it. But other than that, everyone everyone is bummed out by Zoom rooms. But that's the way the writing is getting done now. And that might be the way for the foreseeable future. Well,
0: that's kind of what we're in. And this is probably a, um, a good place to wrap because we are about to go into our breakout rooms and our cool. Zoom writing rooms, if you will. So what what would your advice be to kids in high school? Just trying trying to piece things together in this Zoom pandemic world, but really just... Still trying to get through the act of writing like what do you wish are some things you would have done all the way back in high school to that could have helped you now or potentially even have helped you if you pursued a different path because i think writing is a skill it doesn't matter what you're going into you're going to use some aspect of writing people used to say math you use math every day <laughs> and maybe you do right but not I the don't. kind. Of, oh man, not me not the not kind me. of math i was doing I, I don't remember the last time i've had to whip out the quadratic formula you know but Writing, whether it's an email, whether it's a script, you're it's going to be part of what you do. So, what are some points we might want to emphasize? Try out here in the next ten minutes, and when we're in our Zoom room.
1: Oh man, um,
0: easy question, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I would say on the individual level, uh, I have this. It's it's not even a theory. It's everyone says this, but it's like you know, uh, there's an old Woody Allen line like ninety percent of life is just showing up. And I feel like that's true to an extent because I have this thing about like, it works if you do it, right? Like if you if you work out every day, you will get in better shape and you will get stronger. It works if you do it. If you, you know, I, I, I've been meditating for a while and honestly, meditation every morning has really helped uh, throughout the pandemic because, you know, there's a lot of anxiety going around. You know, people are stressed out and people are dealing with it in different ways. And that's a bummer. So like, I wish I had discovered meditation earlier, to be honest. But also writing. It works when you do it. Writing's a muscle. And so even and sometimes you don't you don't want to write. And we're, you know, creative people are often procrastinators. And that's just who we are. And so it's like, I would say, I don't know, I don't know about the next 10 minutes in the Zoom rooms, but I would say on the individual level, forcing yourself to write every day, whether that's even just journaling or writing a short story or anything like, force yourself to do it because writing is a muscle. And like everything else, it works when you do it. And the more you do it, you'll get better at it. And you'll be like, wow. I'm stronger. Now I can lift, you know, a higher amount of weights than I did the day before. You'll notice improvement if you do it every day. Um, but other than that, in terms of like what you guys are working on, it's just be collaborative. You probably heard this before, but yes. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to shoot down other ideas, try to build on the ideas, try to be a a generous partner, a generous uh, collaborator in a room and, you know, build on each other's ideas and have some fun. Um,
0: Well, that's good. I mean, that's and that's what it's all about. Just really having fun. And hopefully we'll be the I think we're due to go back in a couple weeks. So we might be able to get into some of the production production, which will be exciting. But thank you for illuminating the very important step of writing. And it really makes everything go. So we appreciate you coming in. Um, Thanks a lot, Jordan. Were there any remaining questions? I think I got to them all. Where are are you in LA right now?
1: Right now, actually, Orange County. Orange oh, yeah. County, okay. Like, I work in L.A. I, uh, I was in L.A. for a while, and then uh, my wife lives down here, and so I moved down here when I was unemployed. Then I got a job back in L.A. and had a really bad commute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, now I'm in Orange County just uh, just writing. But th- thank you very much for having me. Yes, we I really appreciate it. I hope it's helped.